You're a 415er. 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back into another edition of the 415ers Podcast, Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game, three times a week. Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings with you as always. Mark, my man, how are we feeling? I'm feeling well, Evan, getting fired up for an NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. Should be a lot of fun. It kicks off with Niners Seahawks on Saturday at Levi Stadium, 1.30. Really looking forward to that. Then a whole uh, a full week of uh, NFL postseason football. Should be a lot of fun. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I am ready. We're recording this Thursday night, getting ready to drop it on Friday morning. Your preview pod, as always, before every game. And at least we don't have to wait a couple of days before this game gets underway like usual. But, Mark, we were talking about this. The fact that the Niners have the first game of the weekend, it can either be a great thing or a horrible thing. Because, obviously, the Niners, as those of you watching on YouTube, those of you listening, are nine-and-a-half-point favorites They're expected to beat the Seattle Seahawks pretty handedly at home as the two seed in the NFC. But of course, if the worst happens, we'll discuss maybe how that can possibly happen. There's not a whole lot of avenues that I foresee. But if it does, you're then stuck watching football for the rest of the weekend, wondering how the hell you lost. Whereas if you win, which is the expected, most likely outcome at this point for the 49ers, you're watching football saying, ah, let me kick my feet back up, throw up and uh, crack a cold one and watch the rest of these games. Yeah, I, I think if you lose this game and you're a 49er fan, um, you might not be ready to watch more football after that. <laughs> so you might just take the rest of the weekend off. Maybe you feel better Sunday evening. You watch the Sunday night game. Maybe you feel better Monday night. But I'm not sure you can go back to football Saturday if your team loses the first game of Saturday. So there's a lot a uh, lot riding on this game, of course, for 49er fans, but obviously for the players as well. And if you're watching on YouTube, you could see Niners nine and a half point favorites. So they are expected to win this game as they should be, considering how talented they are and considering this is a Seahawks team that has not played great of late, but they did win in in their final week to get into the postseason, got some help from the Lions beating the Packers. But this is a game the Niners should win. Evan, we'll dive into all of it. Um, But yeah, this is a game that they should win. And if they don't, uh, we're going to be talking and remembering this one for a long time because this would be bad. Yeah, I I think so. I think we're on the same page there. But let's just kind of sit, let people know how we got to this point. Seattle, obviously, is the third time that Seattle and San Francisco are playing each other. First game was week two at Levi's Stadium. The Niners absolutely waxed the Seattle Seahawks 27-7. Of course, that's the game in the first quarter in which the 49ers lose their first starting quarterback of the season in Trey Lance, but they win 27-7. Seattle does not score a single offensive touchdown that day. And then fast forward to week 15, after the Niners go through another starting quarterback, they end up with Brock Purdy, who makes his first road appearance in the NFL. San Francisco wins that matchup 21-13. to At that point, they clinched the NFC West with that win. Brock Purdy threw for two touchdowns, despite also having a bit of an oblique injury that day. And it also marked the first season sweep for the San Francisco 49ers over their division rival since 2011. So it does feel like the Niners have all the momentum on their side, and understandably so. But Mark, you know what, what's your first impression of this matchup? Because obviously a lot of people are expecting the 49ers to take care of business, but the Seahawks 
are playing with nothing to lose at this point. And despite Pete Carroll maybe sugarcoating and throwing some softballs, trying to soften up the, the 49ers and their fan base earlier this week, it does – I, I believe that it does set up for a scenario where Seattle can throw the kitchen sink at San Francisco and not have to worry about anything because they weren't expected to be here in the first place. Yeah, you're right. That's exactly how this sets up. And I'm glad you brought up Pete Carroll because we also teased it a little bit in our last episode. I do have a couple of pieces of sound from Pete Carroll earlier this week. I want to get to him here. This was his first uh, media availability of the week after the Sunday night game when the Lions beat the Packers. And he was talking about how, you know, it was great to be great to be a Lions fan. They got the job done. But guess what? Now we have a big challenge ahead of us. Here's here's Pete Carroll. So sunk into the, the being Lions fans, man. We love the Lions. Uh, Coach Campbell did a great job with his crew and they played a fantastic yeah, football game to, to get the win to give us the chance. So we're going to try to do something with it. Unfortunately, we're playing the Niners and they're loaded and they're loaded and healthy and on a roll and about as hot as you could possibly get and uh doing it in a really commanding fashion too you know with the young quarterback who's doing so well just kind of buck the odds you know that everybody would think you could do that and uh everybody in the media anyway um um we'll see how we how we you know, get our guys back for this weekend it's coming up quick with the saturday ball game and and uh, uh we've already started our week and we're underway so pete carroll there <laughs> unfortunately you have the niners now i can't even I can't even accurately do his little half chuckle as he said that. I mean, he is setting this up uh, like like you said. He's setting it up like they have no chance. But you know, 100%, there's no doubt that behind closed doors in that locker room, he is firing up his team. He is convincing them that this Niner team, which he called the juggernaut also this week, is beatable. I mean, that's what Pete Carroll does. He's he's playing mind games with the opponent through the media. He's telling his team completely different things. Now, obviously, they they do respect the Niners, and they know the Niners are a really good team, but they're not going into this game thinking, uh-oh, they've already beaten us twice. We don't have a chance in this game. They thoroughly believe they can beat this Niner team. Now, we'll see what happens, but Pete Carroll is indeed playing those mind games. So, for me, that's the first thing. That pops into my head, it's the 49ers do not take this Seattle team lightly. And I know they're not going to. It's the playoffs. You're up for every big playoff game. Uh, but even if there's just a bit of doubt in the back of your head thinking, all right, you know, we've beaten them twice, not that big of a deal. That's how you lose this game. Do not let Pete Carroll's compliments of you go to your head. He's simply trying to play mind games. Well, the, the next thing I, I want to ask, Mark, because it, it may sound – a little weird considering how we set this thing up. But the first question I have about it is which team has overachieved more? Because hmm. if you literally look at the betting market at the beginning of the season, I believe the Niners were nine and a half total as far as their wins over under. They got 13. So they improved their expectation by three and a half wins. Meanwhile, the Seattle Seahawks, I believe, according to the markets that I saw, were five and a half as far as their total. And they have won nine games, also improving their expectation by three and a half wins. So as much as I think the obvious answer is Seattle, because a lot of people wrote them off compared to the 49ers, I do think there is some similarity in how much, you know, if you're just looking at a three and a half win margin, San Francisco going through three quarterbacks, Seattle, at least having the, uh, you know, Pete Carroll there, who has now gone to 
gosh, I haven't even counted the amount of playoff um, trips since he's been head coach since 2011. But it seems like he's in the postseason every single every single year. Ten out of thirteen which, years. Yeah. Ten out of thirteen years. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Mark. So you know, which team do you feel like has overachieved more? I think you're right that if you look at it from the start of the season, it's the Seahawks. Um, but you also have to factor in the fact that the Niners suffered two major injuries to their starting quarterbacks, and that changes the the calculus here. Um, so I, if you're looking from the start of the season and you know, you were you were plopped in in September and suddenly you fast forward to today, you know, January 13th, as we as, as you're listening to this on Friday, um, you're thinking, all right, uh, the, the Seahawks overachieved more. But if you've been with this team every step of the way, Evan, if you saw Trey Lance go down the struggles early that Jimmy Garoppolo had, then you saw Jimmy Garoppolo go down and the Niners turn to their seventh round rookie quarterback. I, I would not be mad at you if you said, well, the Niners have overachieved more considering everything that has happened to them in this season. That's not to say that Seattle hasn't dealt with their own injuries. Certainly they have, but not to the extent of the 49ers. In fact, Geno Smith is the only quarterback in the NFL to take 100% of his team snaps this year. Every single offensive snap the Seahawks had this year were taken by Geno Smith. That is not the case for any other team in the NFL, and it's certainly not the case for the San Francisco 49ers, who it was split between three guys in this one. So um, I think it, it depends really how you're looking at it, Evan. If you're looking from start of the season to now, probably Seattle. But if you're 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 taking what happened throughout this 18-week season into account, I think it's the 49ers because they had to overcome. Uh, more injuries to more key positions uh, throughout the season than Seattle did. Yeah, I, I think there's a fair argument there. I would still probably lean Seattle, and, and the reason being outside of the quarterback position, the 49ers have had pretty much everyone available to them. And, and a stat I saw earlier tweeted out by Nick Wagner of ESPN, of the 23 projected starters at the beginning of the season for the 49ers, they'll have 21 available on Saturday against the Seahawks. So Emmanuel Mosley and Trey Lance would be the only two that they that they did not. Yeah. When you factor in the starting quarterbacks that had to come after Trey Lance, I do think that we are a bit prisoner of the moment because of how well Brock Purdy has played. And I do think you're right that not expecting that, especially midway through the season, and getting Christian McCaffrey in and getting healthy at the right time has spurred this 10-game win streak, which would, of course maybe push me towards, well, yeah, I mean, full health with all their complement of pieces, the 49ers should be maybe not a 13-win team, but definitely a double-digit win team and in the playoffs. Whereas Seattle, people were saying that they might not win three games. You know, this team's going to be absolutely yeah. terrible. And the next question off of that, I guess, would be because I saw earlier today that Christian McCaffrey is the betting favorite or one of the betting favorites, depending on where you look, for comeback player of the year. But it seems like the guy on the other side of the field, Geno Smith, has an equal seat at the table considering he's never really been a full-time starting quarterback and this year leads the league in completion percentage through 30 touchdowns and his first season Seattle is the all-time single season passing leader following Russell Wilson so it, it is interesting although there is a, a lopsided amount of talent I do think there is a discussion to be had as far as the overachievement between both teams and, and individuals 
I think your point is right. However, uh, if Geno Smith wins comeback player of the year, uh, I'll be upset. What did he come back from? The bench? Uh, he didn't come back from anything. He came don't, back. Don't get me wrong. He had a great season, but he didn't come back from anything. He came back from riding the pine. Yeah, he came back from irrelevance. Like, he he was Mr. Irrelevant, Mark. Let's be <laughs> honest here. Geno Smith's career was over. And then now, all of a sudden, he's the quarterback of the future in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, I, I do like that point. And I, I think, it, you know, there's something to be said about how everyone is talking about Brock Purdy and his lack of postseason experience. Geno Smith's never started a, a playoff game either. Like, that that's no. also another side of this. Um, one more thing on Seattle that I think deserves to be said. We've talked a lot about their rookies, Abraham Lucas and, and, and Charlie Cross. They're two great offensive linemen that they got in the draft. Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen. They're, they're two outstanding corners who have been really good, and that's Kobe, C-O-B-Y, not K-O-B-E. Yes, but, yes, yes, yes. It, is, it is Kobe Bryant. Seattle has played the the second most offensive and defensive snaps played by rookies this year in the NFL, behind only Houston and ahead of Chicago. Guess what? Those are teams picking first and second in the NFL draft this year. Seattle is right there between them, and they are a playoff team. So I think you, you look at what Seattle has done, 9-8 and eight is impressive considering what the expectations were, as you were saying. Um, but it's also impressive who they're doing it with. And they're doing it with an extremely young team. Now, they do have veteran pieces, of course. You're not going to have success at the NFL level with only youth and, and young guys and, and relatively young players. Uh, but Seattle is having success on a you know relatively large scale with youngsters, as many youngsters as there are in the NFL across any single team. They deserve credit for that. They've, they've done a fantastic job. Yeah, totally. And, and that's why I do think, although I would surely next year, maybe the year after that, feel like San Francisco's in the driver's seat for the division. Watch out for those Seahawks. They got a yep. lot of young talent and a lot of rookie contracts, maybe most importantly to a team's success if you're trying to navigate those financial waters. A um, couple of updates for the 49ers in Seattle as far as health is concerned. Uh, Dre Greenlaw, who injured his back, of course, few weeks back, full participant this week at practice. Also, Aaron Banks, who injured his ankle and knee previously, is now a full participant as of Thursday at practice. So expected to have both of those guys back. And we're talking about you know projected starters and health. On the Seattle side, uh, Shelby Harris, who left last week's game against the Rams, was questionable, as was DJ Dallas. His you know, backup running back, punt returner, has a quad. They might get their starting safety, Ryan Neal, who came in for a uh, Jamal, oh, pardon me, it, it'll, Jamal, always, Adams. Jamal Adams, pardon me, I always forget his name. Uh, Ryan Neal with a knee. He is probably back after missing three games. So it, it appears, Mark, that both teams are going to be about as healthy as you could hope for for this game. Yeah, it's huge news for both, specifically for the 49ers. You mentioned Dre Greenlaw uh, expected back along with Aaron Banks. There are only two players on the 49ers injury report, as Kyle Shanahan spoke on Thursday Jimmy Garoppolo and Ambry Thomas, they are both out. There's no one questionable. There's no one probable. There's no one doubtful. Garoppolo and Ambry Thomas are out. Uh, no surprises there. Everyone else is available. And not only did Kyle Shanahan say that Dre Greenlaw 
and Aaron Banks are probably likely to play. He said they're good to go, no limitations at all. They got a great practice in on Wednesday. So fantastic news there for the 49ers. They are as healthy as they've been all season. You mentioned Emmanuel Mosley, of course. They're, they're not going to have him. He's on you know season-ending IR. He, he's not coming back because of that ACL tear. Jimmy Garoppolo, of course, Trey Lance, as you mentioned as well. But the Niners still as healthy as they've been all season long. You can say similar for Seattle. They're getting healthy as well. But the 49ers, uh, they've, they haven't quite seen this roster, you know, at full strength. And I guess it's not total strength as, as we've talked about, but this is about as close as you can get. And I know not everyone's hundred percent going into the playoffs. No one is, uh, but the Niner team has, has never been healthier than they are right now. And that's, that's fantastic news. Yeah, definitely. It, it appears that the 49ers health-wise would be peaking at the right time as much as they could. 